You're listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus, and welcome to the latest episode of The Final Curtain Call, Legendary Grassroots Music Remembered. And over the last few weeks, I've had a bit of correspondence from you lovely people out there. You've been sending me a few um, emails and a few messages asking me if I remember certain places and um, certain artists and certain acts. I've had some correspondence from uh, some people who took the time to get back uh, to me after I'd messaged them. And I'm still trying to set up some um, interview dates at the moment. This time of year is never that easy. The kids on half term and stuff like that. So... Um, those of us who are family men um, still are a bit uh, here, there and everywhere um, and trying to find a happy medium, try and get yourself sorted out. But it's nice to be busy again. It's nice to be out there gigging again. Um, and it's nice to be out there um, just mixing again and being able to chat to some people and stuff like that. So what we'll do this week is um, we'll get started with a gentleman who I mentioned um, last week. Um, Bob Mundy, he was told, um, he was mentioned to me by Andy and Neville of the Pinkies and they said to me, he was in Granny Grunt um, and I've spoken to Bob and hopefully he's going to come and do an interview with me um, very, very soon. But just to tell you a little bit about him, at the moment Bob is working with the management, that's DA management and the Boomers and he's been busy with that. But um, over the years, um, this is a little bit about Bob's career. Uh, his first professional job was with the Freddie Mac extravaganza, which was an eight-piece Tamla Motown um, and soul band. And they played many, many um, famous 60s um, dance clubs and dance halls, including the Flamingo Club in Wardour Street, London, which is a very, very well-renowned um, club and certainly one that um, people should be proud that they have played. Um, they also played at the Paris Film Festival, um, alongside um, some major acts, including Stefan Grappelli. Uh, Bob then moved into session recording work um, at Denmark Street in London. He was working for the in-house songwriters with Pie Records, P-Y-E. Um, and then he worked um, with the progressive band Granny. Um, Granny Grunt, or Granny. And they played all their own material. They were signed to DJM Records. Um, and Bob broadened his guitar and singing experience with bands since, such as the Deadbeat Soul Band and the Chaos Brothers, um, as well as being a performer um, solo as well. Um, it says that Bob's a great um, rhythm guitarist, and I've been told that he's a great rhythm guitarist and a very, very strong singer. Um, and he performs also, as I said, with the Boomers, um, alongside Paul Milligan, who's another name that came up um, when I was researching, another name that comes up quite a lot. Uh, Paul Milligan is also with the management at the moment. Um, and after playing in several pop, rock and country covers bands from the age of 15, he became a co-founder member of the 70s pub rock band Skint. Um, and that uh, band member included singer Bob Mundy um, and bass player Dave Bronze, who was also with Glider and uh, also went on has been with Dr. Phil Good and uh, Clapton, I think at the moment, is with Tom Jones, but uh, Dane Bronze, solid, solid uh, bass player. Um, Paul Milligan also went to play with various rock and pop bands and was in The Heaters for 15 years, the local blues band The Heaters. Yes, I've heard of The Heaters, and I'm sure you have too. He then co-formed a five-piece country rock band called Small Town Rumour um, and reunited with ex-skint band members Bob and Dave to form The Boomers. Um, and, that, and what the boomers do is 60s pop uh, and rock classics. 
Paul, again, has been described to me as an excellent guitarist um, and another great singer and brilliant at the harmonies as well. So that's uh, Paul Milligan and Bob Mundy. They're the two names that came up quite a lot um, with I was chatting to, uh, well, when I've been chatting to people and uh, a little bit of research. Um, and uh, I'll be looking forward to hopefully having a meeting with Bob um, at some point. I've also got uh, a list of people I'm trying to get a hold of at the moment. I'm trying to get an interview um, with a member or several members of the Curzel Flyers. Um, and an old friend of mine, Terry Stewart, is uh, is trying to get an interview with, I think it's Ian Pierce from um, the, let me think, from Burglar Bill. Um, and I'm really, really hoping to get that because I want to know a little bit more about that. But I had a very, very interesting email um, this week, uh, which had a link to it uh, to a gentleman called Brian Tyler. And Brian Tyler has um, listed uh, a lot of the venues that uh, he used to uh, frequent across uh, Basildon. Um, and uh, I think he's wondering how many of them are still there and um, if you know any history of some of these places. Now, I know some of these um, are still there. Um, the gun, which was Aunt Fanny's, um, I know that's still there. The ball in Pitsy, which was known as the Prohibition for a while. Uh, the Bull in Vange, which actually became the powerhouse, I know that much. The Barge in Vange has been closed since 2013. Uh, the Railway in Pitsy, I'm going to come to that in a minute, tell you a little bit of the history of the Railway in Pitsy. Um, the Van Gogh, which is the factory in Hats. The Allen the Pussycat, that's still there. Uh, the Commodore, that's another venue that I'm going to come to at some point. That's no longer there. The Long Riding, I believe, is still there. Chalverton Hall, I believe, is still there. And the Watermill is. And the Crane. Um, the Double Six, of course, we've done plenty on that. Uh, the Bullseye, well, that's now, um, or was the Beehive for a while. I'm not sure what that is now. Um, the Wagoner, or Oasis Bar, that used to be up in the town centre, up uh, around the back uh, by the cinema in, in Basildon Town Centre. That's not there anymore, I believe. Uh, the Highway, the Piano Bar, um, the Five Bells, yeah, that's still there. Uh, the Fortuna War, I'm going to come to the Fortuna War again in a minute with that. Uh, the Prince of Wales, which I think it is still there, but it's called something else now. Uh, Springfields, which uh, I've got a feeling Springfield was, um, I think it's now, uh, it's in Langdon, isn't it, Springfields? I think it's... Um, now it's a, um, oh, I can't think now, a harvester or something like that. But I'm sure that was Springfields. And apparently, Treble Chance. There was a pub called the Treble Chance. Now, I don't know anything about the Treble Chance. It hasn't come up before. So I really don't know an awful lot about it. But let's have a little look at the history. Um, one of those places listed on there was the Fortuna War. Let's have a little look at the history of that. I found it to be quite an interesting history because the old Fortuna War um was uh, located on the corner um of Noak Hill Road, Wash Road and Dunton Road. Um it's now um a uh, I think it's like a site or it's a, a car wheel specialist. Um but at one point it used to be the old Fortuna War and the, the spot that it stood on was once known as Landon Cross. So you have Noak Hill Road, Wash Road, Dunton Road and Landon High Road and it is it's like a cross there. Um, and it's now, yeah, it's now like a, a vehicle um, wh wheels, a car wheel um, outlet. Um, but it originally stood, it stood there from um, the late 1800s. That's the the old Fortuna War. Um, and apparently there was a previous building before that, but there's not uh, an awful lot uh, known about that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it sells alloy wheels. 
Um, but it was one of Landon's oldest pubs. Um, but it closed its doors in the late 1920s when the new opening of the Fortune of War, which is the new Fortune of War, when that opened on the new A127 road to South End. Now, that's the one that most people know, which is there on the roundabout. Um, and it was the original Fortune of War, um, known by many as the old Fortune of War, that was at Noak Hill Road, um, that apparently dated back uh, to the middle 1400s as Landon Cross. Um, it was quoted in um, R.A. Beckett in a Romantic Essex in 1907, um, wrote um, about it. Uh, apparently, he visited the Fortune of War and when the local Landon festivities were going on in the field and there were parties and things going on. Um, but um, apparently, it was a it was a place where the hunters met as well, um, and the, any any hounds that horses um, weren't weren't uh, fit to hunt, they'd be kept in the stables there at the old Fortune of of War pub. Um, also, with regards to the old Fortune of War, um, the earliest recorded publican um, that uh, can be traced back is Edward Miller in 1828. Uh, Mary Bishop took over in 1841 and Henry Hollowbread um, became the landlord for the next 10 years in 1845. It was also used as a post office. In 1910, uh, Mrs. Mary Adelaide Wade took over um, after she lost her husband. Um, but in 1913, um, she leased the fortune um, to a lady called Sarah Davis, who had been successfully running some pubs in um, in East London, the Earl of Ellsmore, um, Ellesmere and the Lord Raglan. Um, but she had six children, so she decided to move away from uh, London and look for another pub in the country. And she she stumbled across the Fortune of War, which she then uh, took, or at least leased, from uh, Mary Adelaide in 1913. Um, Sarah ran the Fortune, but she also de- decided at that point that she would cook meals um, and serve the drinks. And during the First World War, uh, there were 14 engineers uh, were staying in the pub's billiard room and she was cooking for them as well. Um, and also the Fortune was the first one of the first places in London to have gas. Um, one of Sarah's children, Violet, was only nine at the time they moved, um, but she remembered the close-knit community. Uh, the village policeman rented one of the nearby cottages and others played, uh, paid three shillings and sixpence um, to stay there. Um, apparently, the, Mr. Newman, the blacksmith, was only a couple of doors away, um, and Violet remembered the summer day trippers um, and the generous ploughman's lunches. Apparently, so I don't know whether they're whether ploughman's lunches are as generous as they they used to be then. But um, but eventually, Sarah moved away with her children, including Violet, to the Bull at Dagenham. Um, but uh, she eventually moved on to Welps Farm and uh, never left Landon. Um, but she decided to then um, get rid of the fortune in 1917 um, and Frederick Tubb took over as the landlord. Um, but it's said that possibly Sarah continued to run the pub, although Frederick Tubb was the landlord. This is the original Fortune of War, which closed in 1928. And that was when the new Fortune of War pub opened um, on the north side of the A127. Um, and it became known as um, it then became known as the old Fortune of War. So at that time, you've got two fortune of wars, uh, the new fortune of war and the old fortune of war. Um, but uh, that was that that closed in 1928, the old fortune of war. And although it continued as a cafe and, and it was a printing company for a while, but now it's um, an alloy wheel 
um, company. Um, a couple of people had also um, made a note that um, Edward Miller ran the Fortune of War pub from 1822 to 1828. Um, and also um, the printers, uh, the Yeoman's printers, which is what it was for a while, um, there was uh, a guy called Ken Cled, and he ran uh, a place called Ken's Autos, which was next next door. Um, and also, there was uh, apparently um, there was a lady there called Mrs. Fist who lived at the Fortune um, before it was taken over as a printer's. Um, so there we are. Um, <laughs> that tells you a little bit more. Let's learn a little bit more about the new Fortune Award because this is the one where the grassroots music and everything comes into its own. Music tuition online. Have your guitar, bass, mandolin, vocal tuition, even production live online. One-to-one tuition via Skype or alternative streaming media. Learn from the safety of your own home. For further information, please contact us at Innovation Studios at www.innovationstudios.com. So the new Fortune of War was opened in 1925 um, and it was opened by the brewery in Coop. Um, and um, this was uh, in, in the same year the A127 London was opened, um, London to South End Arterial Road, the A127. And of course, with that came the business potential of people um, passing by. Now, there were a few things going on at that particular time. Francis Tubb, who was a landlord of the old Fortune of War, but it, it said is trying to sabotage the licensing of the new Fortune of War because he was thinking that they were taking a lot of business um, from him. So, uh, not sure. But at that particular time, the new Fortune of War, there were lots of day trips from London to South End. And of course, the Fortune of War being sort of somewhere in the middle um, gave people, it became a perfect place for, um, well, I say coach parties, and but uh, certainly for people who were on day trips and things like that. Um, back then, it became a perfect um, place to stop off for refreshments. Um, now, in 1968, this is when things begin to change. Um, Indcoop refurbished the pub, and it cost them £25,000. Mike Liddell was the landlord at the time. And you remember a few weeks ago, I uh, spoke about the fact that there were uh, three pubs that used to be involved in um, like a chariot race or the annual publican's chariot race. And apparently this is part of that. Mike Little, who was the landlord of the Fortune of War, was uh, was regularly known to take part in a chariot race to the Crown Inn at Langdon Hills. And I know that the, the uh, Langdon Hotel was part of that as well. At this time, um, the Fortune of War also had a restaurant next to it, which was known as the Clan Room and Steak Bar. Now, in 1983, um, the Fortune of War became known as the Hustlers. Now, I've had this conversation with a few people because people kind of, uh, when, when you have a pub there for many, many years, people sort of know a pub for a particular name. It's like there's a place in, uh, in Hornchurch, which is called, the, I think it's the Fire and Firkin. But for years, that was known as the Bull. So you have you have this sort of conflicting thing where people will talk to you and say, oh, yeah, it was that, it was this. And obviously with um, the double six in Basildon, and you've got the double six, the flying childers, you've got the bull, which became the powerhouse, um, the prohibition, which became the bull in Pitsy. So sometimes you have to kind of get your thinking cap on and try and remember 
what place you're talking about. But in 1983, as I said, the Fortune of War um, became the Hustlers. Um, but there was a 400-name petition to the brewery um, and in order to name one of its bars the Fortune because people were used to it knowing, knowing that. Um, and in 1996, it was formally known again as the Fortune of War um, in its last few years. Um, and then eventually it was just known as the Fortune. Um, and uh, in, in the early 2000s, um, the, the value of the land it stood on far outstripped its profit margin. And, and people were talking about a closure and a, a redevelopment. And the owners, Mitchell and, Mitchells and Butler's Brewery by then, um, decided to call last orders for the final time on the 25th of August 2003. And then from mid-September to mid-October 2003, um, the site was, was sold and redeveloped by Barrett Homes, um, which is now known as Saxon Walk. Um, and it comprises apparently one and two bedroom apartments and nine houses, um, which were available to purchase from 2004. And the area was named Walnut Close. Now, during the late 1930s, the arterial road was converted to dual carriageway. Um, and around this time, Langdon Crossroads was upgraded to a roundabout, which appropriately took its name of the adjacent public house, a Fortune of War roundabout. And even though even the pub isn't there anymore, it's still referred to as a Fortune of War roundabout. So apparently as well, the first licensee there, having, having tried to sabotage, it was Francis Tubb. Um, who was also the final landlord of the old Fortune of War Inn. So it looks as if they decided to, um, he decided to, once he wasn't going to be at the old Fortune of War at, um, over in Oak Bridge, that he was going to be the um, landlord, um, the first landlord of the new Fortune of War. Uh, notable publicans in the 60s and 70s were Gene and Dickie um, and Mike Liddle. Um, Thanks to William Cox again there uh, at Basel and History Online for his input and for his uh, attention to detail. Um, and thank you again for allowing me to um, use your photos and stuff like that for when I, I come to make the YouTube um, films about these places, a Fortune of War. Now, as I said, Fortune of War became a very, very popular um, local music venue. Many, many people played it. Many, many of the bands would have played it and it was very, very well known. Um, so if you played the Fortune of War, let me know. Um, if I haven't mentioned you before, but I'm sure the, um, that most of the people that I've um, referred to over the last few weeks will have um, played it or would certainly know somebody who played it or it may have been your local. I think I sang um, karaoke in there probably would have been about the mid-90s um, when karaoke was all the rage. And I remember going to the Fortune um, a few times. Um but that's my only memory of it was was really driving past it. Um, I don't know an awful lot about uh, what went on in there. But um, again, as I've mentioned before, that one uh, was one of the trio of pubs that used to have the chariot races. And we've talked about these places you to break pianos up and all sorts of stuff. And um, seemed like a real fun place to be um, if you were around at, at that particular time. And if you were and you played the Fortune Award, let me know. Now, here's one. The Railway or the Railway Hotel um, in Pitsy used to stand there um, pretty much um, where um, I think it's where the market is now. They've got the new market area there now. Um, but the Railway Public House. Now, everybody's played the Railway in Pitsy. Um, I played it probably 25 years ago. 
Um, a friend of mine had a residency there and played there. Uh, I think they had like a Sunday afternoon residency. I mean, this is a thing about about grassroots music, and these these are the gigs that I I wish I'd have had. You know, every Sunday lunchtime, you know, and earning yourself a, a, a fair bit of dosh rather than being out Saturday night and being out so late. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the railway in Pitsy, um, that was built during the 1920s, and it actually officially opened in 1927, um, and it was uh, apparently there was a, a local landowner called Harold George Howard, and he had a project called Vision of Pitsy. And this was the first building that was part of his Vision of Pitsy. Um, the land on which it's built um, was uh, sold um, to uh, the brewery in Coop, um, who then respected his wishes that his appearance, that the, the pub's appearance, is uh, Mock Tudor. So that was part of uh, Harold George Howard's vision was that the pub would be Mock Tudor. So when he sold the land to Indcoop, they um, they decided that they would obviously honour his wishes. Now, there had been an earlier railway hotel um, and that had been built in 1859, um, not long after the Pitsy Railway Station opened. But um, this closed when the new railway hotel was built and was transformed into three shops, um, one of which is the post office. Um, it's, it's, it sort of stood further along the high road opposite the market car park. Um, it's now the site of the McDonald's and the Lidl and the KFC, if you know, uh, basically the flyover um, in Pitsy. Um, from its earliest days, it's be, it was known as the railway hotel, but by the mid-1970s, was just known as the railway. Now, I've heard a lot of stories about the railway. I've been told it was a real rough old joint. Um, and the rare occasions that I went in there, I I, I would, yeah, I would believe it. Um, but that doesn't take any of its beauty away from it. It was a lovely building and, and many, many times um, I drove past it many, many times. Um, I think I probably went in there a few times. I don't think I was regular. I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, I haven't played it. I'm pretty sure I haven't played it, but... Um, I don't know. I, the, the trouble is, sometimes you look back and you think, wow, I, well, it was me. I did do that. You know, it's, it's strange. I don't remember playing the railway, but I remember seeing it so many times um, that it might have been a case of that I played it and, and it's kind of faded away. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't such a, m a memorable show. Um, for much of its existence, Indcoop um, were the brewery. Um, and they they were providing a sort of Romford Ales and stuff like that. And there was a big banquet hall uh, and also an off license was also incorporated uh, with the building. And the grounds um, included a bowls green um, and that was laid out in very expensive turf, which Pitsy Bowling Club uh, um, used this when it opened um, on the 1st of August 1928. Um now, this is where we get where it gets interesting because live entertainment in the form of uh, bands and things like that um, have, have always been or were always a past feature. And that started in the 60s. You started to have um, live bands in there. And also they used to have Thursday evening of wrestling, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I, I should imagine that was pretty in, interesting. But in the 1960s, um, I don't know any notable or legendary names that have played it, but I'm sure they have. So if you have any more information on uh, the railway, then um, let me know, because I'd really, really like um, 
you know, like to know a little bit more about it. But as I say, um, it was known as a rough old place and people referred to it as the flying bottle, which people tend to refer to any pub as the flying bottle if there's if there's trouble. Um, it actually closed for good in September of 2006. Um there were rumours, and they were they were talking about uh, re- a regeneration program for Pitsy, um, where you would uh, where where that pub might be uh, saved and used as like a, either a heritage site or maybe stay as a pub but become a pub restaurant or something. Um, but Basildon Council um, allowed a big planning permission for a big uh, Morrison's supermarket chain. And basically, um, they took the railway and they took um, the uh, the swimming pool and the the um, the the usual, the old Pitsy Market, where the old Pitsy Market used to be. Um, and the railway pub was part of that, which they also um, got rid of that. Um, the de- demolition and the clearance of the railway site uh, began in April of 2013. Um, and... Um, continued through May and June and the site was then prepared for the market and that opened um, on the 8th of January 2014. Um, In the years after it it had been closed, um, the railway's forecourt was being used um, as a car cleaning place as well. So yes, I remember that. I remember going past and um, basically it's uh, the front of the building was um, being used by uh, people to clean cars and stuff like that. So that's a little bit um, of history on the railway in Pitsy. If you played it, then by all means let me know and let me know some of the people that you saw there and some of the bands that you saw there. As I say, I'm always keen to learn more. I'm always trying to get find out some more um, and learn more about this these places that I've um, that that were synonymous with uh, grassroots music, and this is one of them. Um, so, you know, let me know if you email me, you can email me at, uh, Innovation Studios, uh, UK at Gmail and you can go to www.innovationstudios.com. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on, uh, well, you find me on Skype. You find us on Facebook, um, or I'm sure you can find other ways of sending a, a direct message through because I'm always glad to, to hear from you. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you, your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software, offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com further information now i'm going to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit uh, more about a new series that i've decided to do and when i say it's a new series it's not really it's like a bite-sized thing that i'm going to try and do i had this idea um of um trying to do something that i could do every day but as i'm sure you can appreciate this isn't always easy to try and find out these things and when you're grassroots music of course you have to work yourself you have to do your own gigs as well um and also uh you know juggling that uh, uh, around being a family man and um, trying to be there for everybody's not always easy so i thought well what can i do 
so I can do something every day? And the answer is coming on Monday, because on Monday there will be a daily bite-sized chunk at 5pm every single weekday, Monday to Friday, and that's going to be called Road Stories. And every single night it's just going to be a story from the road. Now, I am sure that my friends and my colleagues out there and the people that I've met and those who listen in and those who I've mentioned and those who I'm going to interview, I'm sure that you all must have um, a fair few stories about being on the road. So it starts on Monday. There are five episodes a week. It's only about two and a half, three minutes a night. But at five o'clock, um, just as you get in the car to come home from work, maybe you can click on it and there'll be a new one. So you get a bite-sized chunk every single day. I'm hoping that I'll be able to put those on YouTube. I have a friend of mine who does um, some storyboard stuff, um, and I'm hoping that I might be able to persuade her to do a storyboard so that they're there as, as something fun, like cartoony sort of thing. But I don't, whether that will happen or not, I don't know. So uh, I'm sure that you're not on the edge of your seat, but don't get your hopes up too much because nobody really knows what's going to happen with that. But um, that starts Monday. Road stories every single night, a weekday night at five o'clock from Grassroots Music UK. Um, and there's some great stories on there. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that over the years, I've collected many, many stories and I've told many stories and I've I've uh, heard many stories of people's life in this industry. And I always find that far more fascinating um, than the limos and the and the fancy hotels um, of, uh, of, of the superstars. Um, it's not to say they haven't got a great life and it's not interesting. Of course it is. But I find that the funniest um, stories come from those who are trying to squeeze their stuff like a jigsaw into the back of their Cortina estate in 1986 uh, to go off and do the dog and duck just to get a few quid. But um, yeah, so that starts Monday and I've started recording a few and I've started listing a few. And uh, as I said earlier, don't forget, email me or inbox me on um, uh, Facebook or social media. Uh, if you have a great story uh, that you'd like me to hear or you'd like me to relay on here, or even if you want to record it and send it to me as a soundbite, that might be a, a good way of doing it. Get your phone, tell the story and get it to me and then I can put it straight on, on here. So I'm sure you, you know, I mean, I, I know we're a bit of a nightmare with technology, all right, in terms of uh, phones and stuff like that. That's the strange thing about it. We can mix like a 27-piece a orchestra, but when it comes to using our phone, we've probably got the same ringtone for 15 years. But if you have a, a great story like that, send it to me, record it and get it to me somehow and I'll get it straight on here because I want to share your stories. I want to share my stories every single night at five o'clock. Grassroots Music UK Road Stories. Also, with regards to the YouTube series, uh, the final curtain call, I've talked about that. Um, it will start with a double six and uh, and it probably will move on to the powerhouse and it will start things like that. It will be similar to this. It will be me talking about the history of there and of that venue and then playing um, a song which uh, I've written especially. Now, the plan is at the moment I'm waiting for a response. The, the, the site of the original double six, I have written a very nice letter to the owner of the house that stands right on the point where the stage would be. So that they don't feel too alarmed if I decide to sing a song on their front lawn. Um, I only wrote it and posted it a couple of days ago, so I'm waiting to hear. But ideally, I'd like to sing it in the right place. And I'm told that at double six, as you walked through the door, the stage was to the right and the, the back of the stage um, backed onto the Hatherley. So I'm told that's where the stage was. And uh, the house that is there on that corner, um, I have... 
um, composed a note which I've put through the letterbox and I'm hoping that they're not going to think I'm some sort of weirdo. I was really, really polite. Um, but even if I don't get a chance to sing there, if I'm allowed to, if I can sing on the pavement outside and they don't throw the door open and phone the police, as long as they know that that's what's going on. Because it's important to me to find the site of these places. Um, the other thing with regards to that is um, I'm going to give you a sneak preview of the song that I'm going to sing. I decided to write um, an original piece of music um, that I would play on one acoustic guitar um, on the site of these um, venues. So I'm hoping that you'll like it. You will hear it plenty of times on the um, YouTube series when that's eventually um, out, which hopefully will be out before Christmas, because otherwise I think I'll, I'll have moved on to something else by then. I think I'd have covered most of the pubs in the UK if I don't get my finger out. Um, but here's the little song um, that I play. I'm going to play at the end of um, every single episode of the final Curtain Call, and this song is called Curtain Call. Take a final curtain call So that's curtain call That's going to close the um, episodes of the YouTube channel once it starts And I'll be starting with the double six I was driving with my daughter today I picked her up from school Took her around my mum's for a while um, Jennifer is 14 and we were heading up um, towards um, dropping her off. Um, and we went past that. And she pointed to it, to the to the little houses, and went, double six, Dad. So uh, I don't know whether I'm doing something right or not, but I just, I sort of grinned to myself, really. Um, so uh, she knows the plan. And she'll probably be my um, camera crew. That'll be about as much crew as I'm going to get, I think. Maybe just someone pointing a, a phone at me and saying, right, okay, sing. Um Anyway, look, thanks very much for your correspondence again. Thanks very much for for getting in touch um, again. I'm hoping I will get an interview. And the other thing as well, I'm hoping that I'll have an interview with Paul, uh, Paul Reynolds. I'm going to say from the Pinkies, but Paul's done other things as well. Um, and I believe he's, um, at the moment, he's working in uh, the Beat Patrol. That's what uh, that's what I was told. So I'm assuming he's still doing that. Um but he uh, said he wanted to meet me and he wanted to have a chat with me. So um, I'm looking forward to that. It's not going to be recorded. It won't be one of my interviews. That's going to be purely uh, for my benefit as research and also to help me with a few things because Paul, I'm told, has a photographic memory. Um, on another note as well, I've, I've kind of made it um, a, um, I'll say a hobby or ambition of mine, but uh, a target of mine to wherever I can um, when I'm meeting people to um, have, um, if, if they've been in the industry long enough, um, to try and get some sort of vinyl album that they can um, sign for me. 
And this week alone, I've managed to pick up um, a Steve Hooker um, LP, which uh, was only really released in France, I believe, uh, from the mid-80s. Um, and I'm hoping that he'll sign that for me um, when I meet him. I've also got an album called Red Brick Spleen by Phil Bedette on vinyl, which I'm hoping Phil will sign for me. And Andy and Neville, if you are listening, I have got a copy of the Glider album. I managed to track one down and I bought it and it arrived a couple of days ago. I've not had a chance to listen to it yet, but um, that's on my, my list at the moment. I'm trying to get a couple of albums by Man as well, um, which I'm hoping for. Um, and also just trying to chase a few albums uh, uh, by Otis Waygood. I'm trying to get that. I think I found like a seven inch single, but I didn't know if Otis Waygood made an album or not. Um, so I'm trying to find out a bit more about uh, about Otis Waygood. I might even do something on them. Um, I did hope that I'd hear something back from the hamsters. But as I said last week, sometimes once they kind of close their Facebook and once they don't gig anymore, that they have lives to lead and they don't always don't always want to talk about it. But I can say um, that uh, I've read so much about them and I've heard so much about them and I've heard so many stories about the hamsters. Um, for me, they are the pinnacle of grassroots, you know, sitting up till three and four o'clock in the morning, sending out envelopes with gig lists in. This is a sort of dedication that they had to the task way, way before technology and emails and stuff like that. And that's what they were doing back then, sending out, you know, probably a fortune in stamps and God knows what, so that you knew where they were playing. Um, and um, a big fan of the of the hamsters as well. I loved the fact that they were able to, to play so many um, different styles of shows. I know they did the Hendrix tribute. I know they did the ZZ Top um, experience and uh, probably one of the most versatile uh, bands on the circuit. And their own stuff as well was was great. Chevrolet and stuff like that. Um, I had a video of them that, uh, of at the Square in Harlow in 1990 that I managed. I found in um, one of the shops I was away in, um, I'm trying to think now, Kessinland, sort of Lowestoft way, and I was shopping. Um, and I decided to have a look in one of the video stores there. And uh, I found the hamsters. And it was called Burning Vermin was the name of the um, video cassette. And it was them at the square in Harlow in 1990. Um, and what I noticed about that as well, so if anybody knows um, anything about this, is I swear that between songs, Slim or Barry is spraying uh, like an oil or something on his strings. Um, and I, I have not seen anybody else do that. So I'm really curious as to what that is he's spraying on there. Is it just in an oil can or is it? I don't think it's WD-40, but it's kind of like a an oil or something that maybe makes his fretboard a bit faster. I don't know. So if anybody knows the answer to that, or if you know someone who might know the answer to that, or if you know Barry or Slim from the Hamsters, please get him to get in touch with me because I am dying to meet him, meet them and to talk to them about the, their career. Um, anybody that's, um, you know, followed, had an album out or, or had a vinyl album out or anything like that, if you had albums out, vinyl albums out, let me know because I want to get them. And if I get them, then I'm going to get you to sign them when I meet you. So at the moment, I have a Pinkies album signed by Neville um, and uh, Andy. And Paul hopefully will be signing that soon. Um, and also, yeah, I've tracked down the Glider album, fellas. Um, and also, as I said, Red Brick Spleen by Phil Bedette. 
Um, and I think it's something like uh, Boomers or something like that. Or um, can't think what it's called now, but it's um, a blue cover and it's Steve Hooker from the 80s, an 80s album. And I think Wilco produced it. Wilco Johnson uh, helped to produce it. Um, so uh, that was one from then. So I'm trying to get some vinyl LPs of the, some of these grassroots bands. And if I do, then I'll be more than happy to... Um, get you to sign them and I'd be more than happy to talk to you about those albums and build up my collection um, on another note um, I am the highest bidder on one of my Walter Wall albums from 1998 and the reason I'm the highest bidder is I thought I've got to have this because it's signed by the band um, so I'm currently trying to get a Walter Wall album Ugly Village Hall from 1998 and I am the highest bidder on that on the eBay so please don't bid on it because although I don't need my signature it feels really weird to have that album, uh, you know, to, to have that album all these years later that uh, the band had signed. So who knows? Anyway, look, I'm out of here. Thanks very much um, for listening. I hope you liked what I had for you today. Sometimes it can be a bit too, maybe too much history about the venue and maybe not enough history about the bands that played it. But you kind of, we know the bands that have played it. Um, and I always find that these places have got their own history. They breathe on their own, some of these places. And I've played most of them and enjoyed um, certainly knew of them and, and the music that came from that place. Um, as I said, I'll be hoping to get an interview, an interview with Paul on Monday. Uh, I'll be hoping to get an interview with Bob Mundy. I'm hoping to get an interview with Roger Hoodless. I'm going to get an interview with Steve Catamol, Riga Steve. I'm going to get an interview with Phil Burdett, interview with Steve Hooker. I'm going to get an interview, hopefully, with Glenn Sissons, who at the moment is busy with Lord Toffingham. Um, and busy, uh, busy, busy as he's always been. But Glenn's got some great uh, stories to tell. Um, in the meantime, just thanks for being my mate. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for your correspondence and your help. Um, and I hope you enjoyed what I had for you today. I hope that uh, you enjoyed um, my song. And uh, also, thanks very much for um, tuning in and your subscriptions and all that old stuff as well. Don't forget, from Monday, Road Stories, every weekday at five o'clock. It's only two or three minutes of your time, people. But it gives you an opportunity to hear a funny little story and also record one of your own and get it to me and I'll make sure that it's put on here because I've got enough stories and there's only one of me. So there's hundreds of you out there with hundreds of stories. Get in touch, get them to me. Thanks very much for listening in. I'll see you again soon, all right? Marcus from Grassroots Music UK, signing off. Bye-bye for now.